relevant to your construction business. I am your host, Leah Pilkonis. The increasing sophistication of digital tools and technology has revolutionized the way that architecture, engineering, and construction professionals are able to plan, deliver, and manage construction projects. However, implementing the right tools across the construction life cycle and achieving company-wide adoption remains a challenge for many firms. Virtual design and construction leaders from Barton Mallow Company, Matt Hedke and Alan Todd, are here today to discuss how to approach software selection, employee training, and company-wide integration to drive VDC success across an organization. Matt and Alan, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourselves. And Matt, why don't you start us off? First off, I guess, thanks for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Um, I've been with Barton Mellow for coming up on 19 years, um, carried a variety of different roles within the organization. And in my current role, um, I, my role is to focus on technology and how we can insert technology into our business practices to drive safety, quality, and productivity out in the field. Thanks for having us again. It's great to be on. Yeah, so this is this is Alan. I've been with Barton Mallow now for about five years. I actually started my career as an architect, and then uh, as I was practicing architecture, really just more fell in love with BIM and some of the power behind uh, the tool sets that we were using on the design side. I transitioned into a BIM manager on the architecture side and then uh, into Barton Mallow on the construction side, like I said, about five years ago to really explore other opportunities to really bring value to our projects through the use of technologies. Great, thank you both. Matt, my first question's for you. The changing pace of design and technology within the construction industry has inevitably led to a certain amount of confusion along the way. The confusion regarding CAD, BIM, and VDC is a case in point. Can you break it down for us and maybe start just by defining these terms? Sure. You know, one of the one of the things that we wanted to do as we created this this VDC team and our approach around VDC is is not limit ourselves to just BIM or just CAD. So we, we kind of challenged ourselves with defining uh, that term VDC and not limiting ourselves and be open to all the different technologies that, that we use on the project throughout the project lifecycle. So here at Barton Mallow. We defined um, BDC as BIM and related technologies. So that could be, you know, everything from your traditional model that many of the viewers are probably used to, to, you know, how are our superintendents doing daily reports and what technology is out there to better that workflow. Um, things like drones and laser scanners and things like that kind of fall underneath that umbrella. So really, it's all those technologies and and what's our process around again leveraging all of that from um, all the way from pursuits on the pre-construction side all the way through project closeout and everything in between. Alan, in your experience, how can VDC technologies add more value and support successful projects? So I think that's that's a great question um, and there's obviously a ton of answers. I could probably talk about that for the rest of the day, but I, I think from a high level, you know, one, a few of the things that we try and focus on it, it are the way that we, the way that we collaborate, communicate with each other. You know, making sure obviously we work on many large projects that span a really long time, so we want to make 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 sure we're staying versatile. 
and using the tools that are specific and, and right for the project, you know, at the right time, and making sure that we're staying transparent with each other. Really, you know, I forgot to mention this as part of my introduction about what my role is, but a lot of what I do is partnering with owners, with design teams on our projects, especially very early on as we offer like technology implementation plans uh, and then execution plans and really identify the right tools that help drive some of that collaboration and transparency and communication across our projects. So that's where I see like BDC bringing like from a high level a lot of value. Obviously, you know, we use specific tools to really drive schedule certainty and budget certainty uh, you know, manage risk, um, obviously drive safety performance on our projects. Um, but that's, you know, that's where I could really dive into the details and spend a lot of time talking through some of that. But definitely high level, you know, communication, collaboration, versatility, and transparency are, I think, where we really support successful projects from a VDC standpoint anyway. Just diving in a little deeper, is there anything you want to add about the pre-construction phase? Are there owners looking at VDC use when they review RFPs, and does it give companies a competitive edge? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it depends. Um, it depends on who the owner is. Um, it depends on whether it's an institutional project or an industrial project or a sports project. I'd say for the most part, we're starting to see, you know, probably over the past, you know, five years or so, a lot of healthcare and higher education owners really becoming more sophisticated in terms of, you know, in terms of their operation and facilities management process, finding value in the three-dimensional model and the data that's inherent with it, right? You know, we, uh, you know, we, we talk about BIM. I think, you know, this building information modeling has been in our industry for a while now. I think owners are getting pretty savvy with how to use it from an operation standpoint. So we want to make sure that as we're developing our projects, as we're building projects and collecting information, that we're formatting it in a way that's actually going to provide value to them um, at the end of the project. So what we turn over is basically a digital twin or an electronic representation of their their built project. I think sports owners are, are, are maybe a little bit different. Um, I think they find more value in the, like, the marketing aspect of it. So we do a lot more like virtual reality, a lot more polished um, logistics renderings and those types of things um, for sports owners because they're constantly looking for investors, season ticket holders, and, and those types of things. But typically when we respond to RFPs, you know, BDC is really an integral part of the way that we plan and build. So we, um, you know, regardless really of who the owner is, um, you know, we're, we're constantly talking about the way that we're using these tools to bring value to their project because it is so integral in the way we operate. Thanks. I want to talk now about how you pick the right software or technologies for your company. Matt, I'd like to start with you. Obviously, you've been around the block on this. Can you share with us some of the challenges that Barton Mallow has faced in selecting the right technologies to adopt company-wide? Sure, I think, I think that's a great question, and I don't think it's, 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 a, it's a question that we struggle with as a company, but I also think, you know, it's an industry problem. Um, you know, if you kind of look at all the different technologies out there and how much um, investment is going into the construction industry as it relates to technology, you know, it, it can be a daunting task. But I think one of the things that, that we try to do is, is look at things like, you know, systems integrations with things like dashboards and ensuring that, you know, there's kind of that two ways you can take it. You can have a bunch of different tools that, that 
solve a lot of problems and, and help bring value, or you can try to have you know one platform and, and use things like dashboards to pull a lot of that together. I think the other thing is is that you, you need to keep the end user in mind. You know, it's got to be simple and it's got to be something that that end users can use. And then as you roll it out to end users, I think things like you know training and support is a huge huge piece of the puzzle. So for us, you know, once we pick that right technology, having that staff of people that can kind of roll out those technologies, make sure that workflows are established, training is available, we're supporting them, and it's not just a one and done thing. And I think if if oftentimes people will just go back to their old ways or or set that technology to the side if they're not if it's not simple to use. Um, so again, at a very high level, that's kind of my my take on it. It's it's certainly not an easy task. I think too. I mean, this is, this is Alan. If I can just jump in real quick, um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, a large part of my role is really diving in early with project teams and identifying the right tools um, to use on a project. So, uh, you know, we talk about challenges of selecting the right technologies. Um, it's getting involved in some of those early conversations, and it depends a lot on contract type, uh, as you can imagine. So, you know, you, you think about the design did build project or a process um, where, you know, they're, they're, you know, the design documents, construction documents are complete before, you know, we get our hands on them. And obviously, you know, through the design process, there's standards and technologies and tools and processes that are already established. Uh, and so coming in late to some of those conversations kind of limits us as a team to really bring an, an, an enhanced value through the use of these tools to a project um, as opposed to something like design build or, CM at risk where we might be brought on early with the design team and really start to have conversations around technology use and develop workflows that are going to work best for the team. Um, so it's having those conversations early that's that's really critical to driving, I think, partnership and 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 um, again going back to collaboration. You know, those types, you know, trust essentially. You know, those few things really can make or break a project, um, and we really try and use technology to our advantage to really build a cohesive team and ensure that we are instilling trust across the team through transparency and collaboration um, to the benefit of the project, not necessarily to one, one organization or the other. Now, let's get a little bit more into the company integration process. Obviously, you can't just take a new digital tool and drop it on your project team and say, here you go. So, Alan, I'd like to ask you, how does Barton Mallow effectively integrate VDC technologies on its projects? Is there a process that Barton Mallow follows for vetting these new technologies? Yeah, um, so great question. You know, you can, as you can imagine, we work on a, a ton of different projects, multiple, you know, different sizes, complexities. We have Barton Mallow has offices pretty much everywhere major cities across, you know, east of the Mississippi River and south. And so a large part of what we do is we train and engage a field-based uh, BDC-enabled workforce. And what that means is we, through uh, partnering of our centralized experts uh, with basically field technology champions that are based on the job site, we, you know, partner together very early, we train, and then kind of hand-in-hand hand, we'll lead the implementation process of, of various tools and workflows uh, that are VDC related. And then at some point, you know, we step back and let that expert, you know, that, that newly trained expert 
kind of take the reins on a project. And so we've kind of through that, even though we do have got a, a team of folks that are, are very BDC oriented or very technology oriented, there's a huge training effort that takes place on every project to really bring those tools out to the job site because ultimately they need to be led from the job site. And if you have a centralized expert that, that can't track kind of the, some of the day-to-day decisions or things that are happening on site, you lose the effectiveness of those tools. So they need to be led from the job site. And what that does ultimately is that, you know, somebody or multiple people get trained up on how to use these tools on their project and, you know, they can carry that that training and and, and education and experience to the next project. And over time, you know, over the course of many different projects, uh, that person gets exposed to, you know, we're really driving kind of a field-based, you know, BDC-enabled workforce uh, through that process. Thanks, Alan. Matt. In your experience, are there any specific skill sets or, or a type of background that you look for in building your successful VDC team? And the opposite end of the spectrum, are there any specific teaming arrangements or qualities that you would advise others to avoid? Yeah, I think for us, um, you know, I can speak to the success that we've had is, um, you know, hey, you're talking to both Alan and I, and both of us have a very different background. We're, we're very, we have a very diverse team. Um, and, and what we try to do is we try to find those people that have the right skill set. You know, technology is is changing all the time, and we're constantly challenging current business process to look for different ways that we can, you know, insert technology to make them better. So for us, we found that it's, it's very important to, you know, the Patrick Leccioni book, ideal team player, he talks about a humble, hungry, smart person, right? We want those people that are open to change, that are humble enough that they can have conversations with field teams and, and understand that, hey, there's going to be a little bit of a pushback. And, you know, partner with those people, really build those relationships and build those trust-based relationships to understand what are some of those challenges and how can we insert this technology in to better those processes. You know, I, I say this all the time, people are typically scared of change and scared of technology. So, you know, again, going back to the whole diverse team that we have, you know, we have people from, like Alan, that have the architecture background. We have young college educated, you know, folks that love technology. We have members of on our team that are spent years out in the field, um, Pine Rebar, for example. And really, we, we find those, that, those right personalities, those right, you know, those right people to come join our team and, and really focus on partnering and, and working together and building those trust-based relationships so that we can look for opportunities to, you know, challenge those processes, as I said, and, and look for opportunities to, to make them better. We're here today talking with virtual design and construction leaders from Barton Mallow Company, Matt Headkey and Alan Todd, about VDC the benefits, software selection, and how to ensure successful company-wide integration. Alan, Barton Mallow is industry leader in this area. What advice can you offer smaller organizations who may not have the resources to spend in R&D or continuously test cutting-edge tools and workflows? Is it possible for a company to look at the adoption of more sophisticated digital tools while balancing with traditional methods? Yeah, I think, so, you know, I guess I have a couple of kind of answers to that question. 
So I think it's important, just going back to my background as an architect, you know, I've, I've worked for smaller architectural firms. I've really only worked for Barton Mallow as a, um, from a construction standpoint, but I can speak certainly to my expertise or experience uh, working from small architectural firm. And I think a lot of times smaller firms, at least based on my experience, are a little bit short-sighted in some respects because they want to focus on creating an environment that's best for them. So they establish you know, standards and templates that really help them drive efficiency and productivity, you know, mitigate risk and, and all those you know, very business-based decisions that, that allow one organization to really be the best that they can be. And I think you know, when, you, when you look at a project as a whole, there's a, there's a lot more players on that team than just that one organization, right? And if you can think back to any project that you've had in the past um, that, you know, maybe didn't go so well, or you did kind of a lessons learned analysis on, I'd be willing to bet that most of those projects, the reason it fell short was not necessarily because one organization's, you know, standards weren't, you know, efficient enough. It, it, was, it came down to kind of team dynamics, right? So I think one thing, you know, as a smaller organization to keep in mind when you are researching and developing new tools and workflows is what what are some of those tools that will foster a, a more team-based environment? What's going to help you respond quicker to RFIs or even feel comfortable picking up the phone or via some other means of communication, not necessarily phone or email, the, determining the right tool to, to, to communicate to other members of the team, uh, to like like Matt said, kind of establish that trust-based environment, and take some of the tools that you're already using that do bring value to your to your projects, and opening those up to you know input and feedback, and really establishing kind of a, like like I said that trust-based uh, relationship across the entire team. I think the other part of that answer is you know if you look at it more from a more granular, uh, maybe you know identify like a software suite that supports your typical project workflow. So like identify the projects, whether it's healthcare or higher ed or industrial, uh, whatever it is, like identify like your typical project workflow and establish a, like an environment that is, is great for storing and, and uh, shepherding and sharing project information. I think this kind of goes back to my other answer a little bit. And, and through the use of that project dashboard that Matt mentioned earlier, you know, establish establish an environment that's simple and logical and easy to use across all project stakeholders. Matt, how do you convince technology-averse individuals outside of your VDC team to adopt a new digital tool or workflow that might initially seem foreign to them? Well, I think for us, you know, I can just speak to the, the success that we've had, and I think it's a it's a common theme you've heard throughout um, a lot of the questions and responses both Alan and I have given. It's it's building those personal relationships and partnering with those with those people. You know whether it's you know pre-construction, your project teams, your AEs, your owners. You know really it's working with those people and understanding what are some of those pain points. What are some of those you know going back to Alan's point. What are some of those workflows that we're trying to overcome. And what are the what are the current means and methods that we're using, and what opportunities do we have to show value or bring value? And I, I think it really all starts with again that trust-based relationship. And you know, not to repeat myself, but I said earlier, you know, I think oftentimes people are scared of technology and they're scared of change. But if you can start to really partner with them 
and hey, you know, you got to take it one step at a time and, and build that relationship with them. Then start to, you know, slowly kind of get them a little bit more comfortable with this idea of technology. Um, and then I think the other piece, big piece that we found success in is that constant, you know, training and support, documenting those processes, going out to project sites, meeting with them, explaining those processes, and, and looking for opportunities where it's not just here, use the tool, and, and you're good to go. Because I think oftentimes that's a that's a mistake that we've made in the past, where you know you kind of push a tool out there, a new technology, you say, hey, you're going to do this. Um, and they don't they don't use it because it's the first time they can't do something that they're comfortable with doing uh, from the past. They kind of ditch that new tool and stop using it. So again, there's there's been a ton of success that we've seen, you know, kind of taking that approach. I think the other thing is is you know getting your your senior leadership uh, bought into this. You know, for us at Bart Mello, we see technology as a big piece of our success in the future and our relevance, and and getting getting that buy-in from the top down. So, you know, we're kind of pushing from the bottom, meeting with those project teams, and it's not foreign to them because, you know, there's their senior leadership in their group or their over their project, you know, and pushing the same message that we are. You're kind of sandwiching that group in between. And typically um, we've seen a lot of success by doing that. Thanks, Matt. I have one final important question for both of you. How does VDC contribute to safety performance on your job sites? Alan, I'll ask you to start, and then Matt, I want you to chime in as well. Sure. So I think a large, I mean, this is kind of maybe the, the recurring theme from my responses throughout this uh, episode is, is communication, right? The way we communicate. And I think there's a lot we can do from a visualization standpoint that help, helps drive safety performance, just, just making folks aware of of what's happening on the job site, whether that's from a day-to-day -day basis or something that's upcoming or, you know, whatever it is, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information we can com communicate through a, through a visualization, whether that's a logistics visualization or something that's more focused on safety, we can tie into safety training. We've also experimented a lot with uh, using VR, virtual reality, as a tool to drive uh, safety performance and make folks aware of specific job site hazards that are out there in the field. I think from a tools standpoint, there's certainly a lot that our industry can be looking at from a robotic standpoint. I know Bart Mallow has used the, there's a, there's a um, semi-automated mason, SAM for short, that's a bricklaying robot, and we'll use that on projects that have really long runs of brick, um, and it's a pretty versatile tool that really drives quality and efficiency, but most importantly, safety. Uh, we've also got another tool that we've used on our job sites called the Mule. We're looking at exoskeletons right now. Obviously, drones have been in our industry for a couple of years now, pretty widespread anyway. Um, so we're using those as much as we can to do, you know, detailed inspections, especially envelope and areas that are hard to access with a ladder or a lift or something like that. So I think there's certainly a lot of opportunity to drive safety performance. Using using the tools and, and workflows from a VDC standpoint on our project, but I'll let I'll let Matt add, add his uh, two cents to that as well. Well, thanks, Alan. I think I think from my perspective here, I completely agree with Alan. Uh, you know everything that Alan just said. I think the other piece is, you know, one of the things that we say all the time is it's 
it's extremely important, if not critical to us, that we send our people home the same way they came to work. So safety is number one for us. So again, because we've built this culture of being open to, to technology, um, I think what it does is it allows us to look for opportunities where we can start to leverage uh, some of these tools, as Alan said, to plan our work better. Um, you know, we say all the time, plan the work, work the plan. If we can go in and plan out that work ahead of time and, and you know, dot all our I's, cross all our T's, use these visual tools, not only for ourselves, but everybody on the site to understand that, hey, you know, at our morning huddles, for example, where we're doing our plan of the days and we have all of our crews out, you know, we can communicate with these tools to say, you know, hey, over on the east side of the site, we're going to be doing some civil work and doing some digging. You know, be careful about that. You know, there's going to be holes and, you know, these types of risks that we've identified over there, there's going to be trucks coming in and out. You know, we can use that to communicate that and also explain, you know, over on the, you know, opposite end of the site, we might be pouring concrete and there's going to be concrete trucks coming in and out. Um, we've used the model and the plan of the day to talk about some of our more complicated work and identify things like, Hey guys, we're going to be working on elevated, you know, elevated decks today. We need to make sure that we got harnesses and things are tied off. You know, so just using these tools um, for for visual communication, um, something I say all the time is a, a picture is worth a thousand words, but a model's worth a thousand pictures. You know, I think that's a great example where we can leverage a lot of this content very early on to plan our work and then use it throughout the project lifecycle. Thank you so much, Matt and Alan, for sharing all this really great information with us. You're both doing amazing things at Barton Mallow Company. I also wanted to let our listeners know that AGC members can complete AGC of America's BIM education program and earn your CM BIM credential. Join the more than 1,000 construction professionals who have earned their CM BIM. Everything you want to know about it is online at agc.org slash BIM. So thank you again, Matt and Allen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the AGC Constructor Cast. Please subscribe to the Constructor Cast in your podcast app. When you're there, leave us a rating or a review. You can also stream and download all available episodes right from your computer. Just visit www dot agc dot org slash constructor cast.